Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I've missed being here. It's two weeks in a row. Pastor Jeremy killed it two weeks ago on week one of basic. Yeah, come on. Pastor Megan just destroyed it last week. I don't even know if I should be up here. Maybe just let other people keep preaching. But man, I missed you. Actually, Megan and I have been doing some traveling. We were in Arizona at our home church two weeks ago. This past week, we did some uh, training with the, the, the company, or not the company, the organization that helped launch our church. We're helping train new church planters, and uh, we're excited about that. Listen, the Movement Church, we're all about helping people plant churches, and that's pretty awesome. And we also tag-teamed onto that, and we got to sp- celebrate our 15th anniversary in Napa and San Francisco. Come on! I'll take a hand clap for 15 years. Actually, Megan needs a hand clap. She made 15 years, and she said she'd keep me a few more. Verdict is still out. We'll see what happens, but... Anyways, it's so good to be here. And, uh, and actually, I'm actually excited. I'm going to continue on with this series called Basic, uh, when basic isn't bad. We're pulling through the, the book of Colossians and the New Testament and just exploring what the Word of God has to say for, for you and for me. So if this is your first time here, maybe you're not really sure where you're at on your faith or if you even believe in Christianity and Jesus and this whole thing, man, just, just hang out and sit and see what you think and Here's some of what the, the Bible says for you. And for me at the Movement Church, we believe the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God for you and for me. So we, it's crazy, we read it. <laughs> and second, when we preach, we preach from it. Uh, not just to read some archaic, dusty book, but to go, okay, God, what do you want to say to me today? And so we're going to continue with this series. But before we go on any further, uh, man, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm super stoked about something coming up that... Uh, uh, is going to be exciting. We have a conference, a one-night event for the women of the Movement Church. Yeah, that's my wife. And, and it is going to be fantastic. Uh, we're starting something brand new uh, called She Collective. And ladies, look at me. You don't want to miss this. Gentlemen, look at me. Get every lady, daughters, sisters, aunts, mothers, wives, wife, wife. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have multiples and uh, get them to this event. I'm going to tell you right now, look at me in the eyes for one moment. I want you to know, I believe that one of the, the next wave of God is going to come through the unity of the church and through what God is doing in women. And uh, we're excited about that. Uh, and so you don't want to miss this. You can text the word she to the number on the screen and buy tickets. They're, they're 10 bucks. Uh, don't let finances be a reason that you can't go. Come and see me, and we'll make sure. Some of you can buy 18 tickets, so buy a few. Let's make sure everybody gets there because God's going to unlock something amazing. Can I get a what, what? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Let's read the scripture, and then we're going to dive into this. It's been so long. You know, when you don't preach for a while, you get rusty. So if I'm terrible today, come back to the second service. We're going to polish some things out right here. So uh, let's read Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 82. It's going to take me, I'm kidding. Verses 1 through 8, actually. It says 17, but we're going to kind of cut it short. So look at what this says. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. 
Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, but look up and be alert to what God, what, to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. Check that out. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust. And he goes on into a list of things that we need to get rid of. Look at this. Doing whatever you feel like, when you feel like it. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Can we pray? Let's jump into this. Heads bowed, eyes closed. God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And we thank you that you're going to, you know, just do something new. Uh, and, And in fact, the truth is, man, some of us are struggling with that old way of life. And we just need your help and need to know what you want to do. So God, over the next 29 minutes and 52 seconds, would you do something miraculous in our lives? Just something spectacular. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody who likes Pastor Jeremy's man bun said, Amen. Wow, that's good. That is good. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, um, I got to be honest with you. It's going to be real transparent. I don't care if we're transparent in this place. My wife gets nervous when I say that, so this is going to be exciting. But honestly, today, this morning, I had a rough morning. Have you you ever noticed that every time you go to church, it is like the most difficult thing to get out the door? Or once you get into your car, it's like all of the worst drivers in the world converge in front of you? You guys know what I'm talking about? Man, we came to set up, and set up was going great, and we get here pretty early, but the men uh, who help set this place up, they don't care. They're like, whatever, huh, you know? And so uh, I, I rush home to go shower because I need to smell good because I'm going to shake your hand probably hug you afterwards, and you don't need to smell nasty. You need to smell. It's good. So everything's well. I told you I'm going to be transparent today. <laughs> and I get home, and man, it's like everything is falling apart. The, the bathroom, my kid's bathroom, the toilet breaks like, they can't flush it. That's never good. Never. So, I mean, like, we're rushing. Like, it's like we have, like, 35 minutes to shower. That's why I shave my head. Shower, change, iron clothes, get gone. And, and this stupid toilet, I take the thing off and the chain. Like, the, the shelf of the bathroom and where the toilet thing meets was made for, like, like little people. Like they're children, little people's children, actually. That's the tiny, and I have fat Shrek hands. I'm trying to get in there, and this chain is this long, and it tries to connect to this stupid connector, and I'm in the toilet water. I don't know if it's clean, but I think it's bad, and I'm doing this whole thing, and my arms are shaking, and I'm getting angry, and my daughter's watching and breathing on me. I'm like, brush your teeth and get ready, and I can't, and it just keeps slipping out right when I'm about to connect, and it just keeps, and I'm like, gosh, I threw the thing on there, and I'm, I'm just angry. Is that okay? And then I'm so angry, I bust my knuckle on a door, and it's bleeding, and I'm just so, it just hurts now, and I fist bumped you this morning, and I was like, ah, and I'm just angry, and I go in the restroom into my bathroom now, and I'm reached down to grab some cologne, 
Smell good. And as I grabbed the cologne, not looking, I grabbed my wife's curling stinking iron. Burned my hand and I want to throw it and then smash every glass in my house. Can anybody relate to that? Nobody? Okay. That was my Sunday. Then I'm like, holy are you, God. Holy are you. Man, I just got to be honest, man. Truthfully, sometimes it's hard for me to act the way I should act. Can I get an amen from a witness in this building? It just, it is just challenging. And, and every thought that was going through my mind, it wasn't sanctified. It wasn't. It was bad. I was just, I wanted to throw the cologne. I wanted to break Megan's flat iron or whatever that thing was. And man, I just struggle with it just to be honest. And then I read the scripture I'm going to preach to you today. You know, that's just, the, that's the great thing about the word of God. Is that God knew we were going to struggle. I mean, and it cannot be freeing for somebody in this church that God knew we were going to struggle. And so he just had some amazing men moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, script some things for you and for me that we can just be reminded. And that's why Paul starts right off the bat in chapter three. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Even when you're angry. Even when time is running short, even when you grab the curling iron and not the cologne, even when the toilet is breaking, act like it. And these are simple, silly, superfluous things. Aren't there much grander things that tend to really anger us? And Paul's like, look, you've got this brand new resurrection life. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Resurrection means we were raised to life. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, is that all the things that were in our past are dead and gone, and we've been raised to life in Christ. It's a metaphor saying that the old way has passed away. And like Pastor Jeremy said, behold, all things become brand new. That's why we celebrate baptism. In fact, if you haven't been baptized or want to be baptized again tonight at teen night, we're doing baptism. It's going to be amazing in this time of worship. We've got an awesome dunk tank, and it's just going to be freezing cold and amazing. And, and it's, separa- it's celebrating going down in the water. is celebrating I'm dying to life. We actually bring you up. You do not have to be resuscitated. It's a quick <laughs> baptism. Boom. Boom. All right. And you come up out of the water, and it's, man, I'm telling you, I've been in church my whole life, and I've been to baptism after baptism after baptism, and it's always the most amazing service ever. It's not a tradition, and the water has no power. It's just a statement that I'm saying no to that way of life and yes to this new one. Not perfection. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need the scripture, but God knew we're not perfect. So he says, hey, man, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, act like it. Hey, can I ask you a question? Since when did choosing opportunity over loyalty become an option for us? When when did it become okay that if the opportunity presents itself for me not to act like a Christ follower and it's convenient for me, then I will probably choose that as opposed to loyalty to what the word of God says and to a savior who died that I may be set free. This is what Paul is saying. Listen, I, I love what the theologian Vaughn, he says this. Colossians reminds us that aesthetic regulations are of no real value in restraining indulgences of the flesh. 
The only remedy for sinful passion is found in the believer's experience of union with Christ. He's saying, look, this isn't about even just the pure actions. It's about our heart. We've got to be unified and connected to what Jesus is doing or we're going to miss it every time. This morning, I wasn't really unified with what Jesus was doing, was I? That's not a trick question. It's okay. I still love Jesus and my wife and we're okay. But man, I think Paul's saying, look, if you're going to be a Christ follower, act like it. I love this next passage. He goes on and says this. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. But look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. He's saying, stop focusing on the things in life that we hate. Stop focusing on the things in life that are discouraging. Stop focusing on the things in life that are frustrating. Stop focusing on the things in life that are disappointing. Stop focusing on the things in life that I have not yet accomplished. Stop focusing on where it is that I have not yet reached, but start focusing on Jesus. Just folk. That's why the name of this series is called basic. Because sometimes, as Pastor Jeremy preached in the first week, we just complicate things. For many of us, the filter of church and and Christianity is this pomp and circumstance, ritualistic series of things that we need to do or not do that we might experience unity with Christ. And while it is true, things in our life need to be a reflection of who He is. It's just simple as focusing in on Him. Why am I thinking of an Ariana Grande song right now? Nobody? No one? I won't sing it. You're welcome. I love this passage in Isaiah. <laughs> I really did miss being here. Like, I, I, we were on our last day of the trip uh, yesterday, and man, Meg, Meg and I just had a great time. We we're, we're, like to have adventures and just go and not really get a plan, but kind of spontaneously fall into a plan. And sometimes that's disastrous, but it was an amazing trip. And and we were just sitting down at breakfast yesterday going, man, I can't wait to get home and be with our church. I love to be here in the midst of this crowd right here, especially first service, and just see what God is doing. Isn't that a great thing to be at a place where everybody's just trying to see what God wants to do? I love that. And listen to what this passage is saying, scripture is saying in relation to focusing on Jesus. Have you ever, have you ever, I feel like I'm all over the place. Have you ever wondered why it is that we tend to focus on the things that are distracting, discouraging, frustrating? I think sometimes when we focus there, we feel like we're in control of the situation. So the more I think about it, the more I ponder, the more I stress out over it, I'm actually in control of a situation. I feel like I am actually in control of a situation that I have no control over whatsoever. And it's so difficult to focus on Jesus in the process, because that means I have to take my eyes off of this scenario, which is actually driving me crazy. It's hurtful. It feels like rejection or it's out of control. And I, if I take my eyes off it, it'll go even more buck wild. And yet the scripture is clearly saying, no, no, no. Stop focusing on that which is right in front of you and focus on Christ. Let him shape your perspective. Look at what Isaiah 41 is saying. Check this out. I love it. I've picked you. I've chosen you. I heard a story about a young man who uh, was seven, eight years old, and he went to the hospital with his dad. And 
his younger brother was just born and they walked over to the nursery window and said, hey, do you see that baby right there in the cradle and you see the little name tag and it's blue and that's your brother. That right there is yours. The father said, do you know the story about your birth? And the brother said, no, I don't. And his seven-year-old kid looks up at the dad, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and he said, you see, we had a different scenario. We came up to a window, and there was ten children lined up in a row. And we said, we want that one. This little boy was adopted. What a neat story. What a neat perspective that it was a different story. When he grew up, the kids would always say, hey, your mom and dad's favorite. He said, that's right. They were stuck with you, but they chose me. Right? And that's what the scripture's saying. I've picked you. Wow. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Just keep a firm grip. Count on it. Everyone who had it in for you will end up on the, out in the cold. Real losers. Those who worked against you will end up empty-handed. Nothing to show for their lives. When you go out looking for your old adversaries, you won't find them. Not a trace. Your old enemies. Uh, not a trace of your old enemies. Not even a memory. That's right. I love this. Because I'm your God. I have a firm grip on you. And I'm not letting go. Look at this. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. That's God saying, hey, I got this. Stop focusing right here. Just focus on Jesus. I've got this. Paul continues. He says, look up. Be alert. To what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, when we focus on him, God begins to shift our perspective. And these things that once were overwhelming and once felt like a huge weight become something completely different. They become a stepping stone to the next purpose ahead of you. It's pretty awesome. Look up, be alert. See things from his perspective. Look at this. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators is with Christ in God. And I think with this passage of Scripture, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible inspectors, is, is with Christ in God. I think the Scripture is just saying, hey, quit looking in the rearview mirror. You see, so many times we're either focusing on this distraction right here in front of us, or we're looking in the rearview mirror, trying to either recreate or mourning over lost things, or trying to figure out how come I can't get to where I once was, and why was that a part of what I was and who I was, and now I can't seem to get there. Is there something wrong? Is there some issue? And, and, and I think the scripture for you and me is just saying, hey, stop looking in the rearview mirror. Have you ever been driving and then looked in the rearview mirror too long? What happens? You get in an accident. That's what happened to me. My Toyota Yaris still has a broken front bumper because of that. Big stinking huge truck with a big trailer bumper Texas hitch. It was like the size of a child sticking off the back of this thing. He's in front of me to turn right and he goes and I'm looking back to make sure because the street curved back and I gun it and I look back and he hadn't actually gone. Boom. And I wonder how many mistakes, conflicts, arguments in our marriages 
missed opportunities. I wonder how many situations in our life, because we've actually spent more time looking in the rearview mirror than looking to Jesus for what he's doing. Your old life is dead. Let it be. Even if there's great things, celebrate it, but look ahead. You're not the summation of your past. Some of you are thinking, I was better in my past. Well, just work to get better in your future. <laughs> so I saw some amens. I saw a wife, like, elbow her husband. He's talking to you. And you may have haters in your life. You may have haters. People who don't see the new things of God are reminding you of who you once were. But just remember that God's still watching. There's a young girl that was here at our church and still is and just radically gave her life to the Lord. And Man, just the people in her world just started tormenting her, making fun of her, just accosting her. At all. I mean, it was just insane. And you're, you might have people like that in your life, but that's not how God sees you. Remember, he picked you. Does that make sense? Paul reminds us who we are. He goes on, he says... He is your life. Christ, he is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. You know what obscurity is? Obscurity is a state of being unknown, inconspicuous, or unimportant. And I think what this scripture is dictating is that sometimes you when, or an I, when we are following Christ, it might feel like we're going nowhere, but that might be exactly where God has us. I believe that God works on us most when we're still. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Have you ever been down to the beach when no one else is around just to breathe in the air? If you haven't, you're spending way too much money and not taking advantage of what Jesus did for you. <laughs> Weekly, your toes need to be in the sand. That's biblical. You ever been to the mountains? The trees surrounding and you look up and it's like the little smiley face from Pocahontas, right? And you see the stars. Nobody, listen, y'all don't remember that song? Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Thank you. I'm here all week. And you look up through the trees, you see the stars, and it's like 8 billion stars. And they're there all the time, mind you. We just don't see them. And there's something to that. You just get quiet, and the air you breathe is so much cleaner. And you you just can't be there without being just surrounded by the goodness of God. And you see stars that you don't normally see. They're always there. But in the stillness, in the midst of that nature, you see more clearly. And sometimes we're so focused on where we need to go that we don't just be. We're so focused on striving to become something or to do something. And God might just be saying, just chill out a little bit. I love Psalm 46.10. It says this, cease striving and know that I am God. Be still, cease striving and know that I am God. I wonder if perhaps our focus should be on what we need to remove rather than where we need to go. Just to go, God, what do we need to change or shift or adjust? 
I wonder what would happen in our life if instead of focusing on the speed or the trajectory, we just said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do right here, right now? I wonder if things in our marriage that seem a little bit off might be corrected. I wonder if we might experience peace that we so desperately want. I even feel the Holy Spirit here right now just saying, hey, be still. Maybe even talking to some of us specifically. This is that thing I want you to adjust. And it may feel like obscurity, but God is still there. Remember, he picked you. He picked you. The scripture goes on and says, Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. You know, in January, my wife and I... um, we did this, uh, we, every year in January we do this 21 day fast. And so sometimes we just eat, just like, just drink water or juice and go extreme. Sometimes we do like a Daniel fast where it's kind of like a, this and that. And so in January we decided to do what's called the Whole 30. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Um, and it's 30 days of eating clean, no good things. <laughs> All not good things. I mean, you can eat meat, that's great, but no carbs. And Jesus loves carbs. <laughs> and... Uh, and so we just did this 30-day detox. And at the end, man, I lost 22 pounds. That's insane, right? And uh, I felt so good. Clean on the inside. I mean, I'm thinking, I think they call it tiger's blood in, or something like that in the whole 30th world. It's like, you just, like, can att- you're attacking the world. You can conquer anything. And, and you do. You just feel it. Anybody ever done that kind of a detox or a cleanse? And you just get done, you're like... Oh, I feel so good. And we're like on day 28 and just like getting stuff done and like, you know, whatever. Doing jumping jacks at the dinner table. Like, yeah. Avery, do some burpees. Okay. Ah, ah. And like we're coming to the end of this thing and, and we're like stoked. I mean, I'm making hash every morning. The good kind of hash, not hashish. And that's not a part of the whole 30. <laughs> and uh, cooking breakfast, you know, we're sitting down and as a family, we're slowing down to start the morning off and just loving it, right? And we're 28, day 28, like, okay, well, let's get a plan from when we're done with this thing. Well, obviously, we're going to break it hardcore at Pizza Port, but then we're going to come back to it. Let's, 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 let's change. It's a new way of life. We feel clean. We're eating clean. We feel right. We're like, okay, we get a plan. 30 comes off, we celebrate, go to Pizza Port, and day 31, right back on it. Hash, we got the whole thing. Grilled chickens, all clean, boom, boom, boom. Day 36. Well, I had a meeting, so I had to eat lunch at this other place. It's a little different. I mean, I had like a bacon cheeseburger with lots of bread. (laughs) Day 46, I don't even remember. Like, oh, you know, we need to order, let's get some pizza. Because Jesus loves dairy and carbs. And day 62, we now have little pieces of Whole30 in our life. But we've kind of 
readjusted back to that other way. We've learned this balance, right, of how to eat really unhealthy and eat Whole30 approved. You just never really feel right. Never really just feel clean. Kind of messing with this health and nutrition. Isn't that kind of the way that we are with the standards of God? Maybe we have this detox moment where Jesus comes in and says, let's get rid of that old way of life. Only Christian music. Only left behind and Christian movies. <laughs> Day 30. We kind of weave these little things back in. We don't watch our temper. We're not so quick to stop gossiping. Our eyes begin to wonder and look lustfully at other places. We've learned this balance now. Just enough of the Jesus component, but a little bit of this too. And you can live that way. Christians have been living that way for millennia. But it doesn't feel clean. And it sure doesn't feel right. And Paul is saying, that old way is over. We need to kill it dead and let Jesus take over. Let Jesus take over. I have some more notes, but I think we're going to draw it to a conclusion here just wonder what the Holy Spirit's trying to say in our lives today. Never is our hope to stand at this pulpit or podium and try to remind you of the failures of your past or to try to tell you what you need to do, but our hope is to connect you to Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can say, hey, this is the thing that you need to adjust. And for some of you, it might mean to just slow down and be still. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit might be saying, hey, that thing right there, let's, let's spend 30 days, 60 days, and kill it dead. So that when it rears its ugly head again, we'll recognize that feeling and just say, nah, I want it, but I'm not going for it. I'm going to focus on what Jesus wants to do. It's that simple. And, and here's the great thing. God's going to give you the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, I picked you and I haven't dropped you. I haven't left you. You hold tight to me and you're going to be okay. That old way of life is dead. Let's embrace the new life that God has for each of us. Amen. Hey, some of you today may not have begun a journey with Jesus. That's okay. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. You can't experience the fullness of God until you begin that journey. And it isn't about getting perfect. It's about just understanding, man, I'm not perfect, actually. And that there's consequences for the actions of my life. 
But God gave us this gift to Jesus and he paid the ransom for all of my sin and all of yours. And you can begin that journey with him just by saying, I just gotta give you my life. I've been working hard at it on my own and I'm, I'm, I'm not getting there. I, I need you to take over. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna challenge you to pray with me. And let's start this journey together. And some of you in the room, look at me. Maybe you, you've been a Christian your whole life, but you've been running from God. Today's the day to come back. Stop playing games. It's that simple. Just stop playing games. Let's, let's just start a new journey with him today. Can we do that? If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, or if you need to come back, when I pray this out loud, just repeat it in your own heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. Just repeat it in your own heart and let God take care. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe today is the time to pray it again for the first time. Just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, God, I know you're real. I know you love me. I know you picked me. And I'm ready to start this new way of life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for Jesus. Just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.